0: Go. yeah i'm ready well did you know it was the eyes of september well it is it is the eyes of september september
1: is
2: the cruelest month
0: um this is what i heard and that's why isn't we... there
1: like an earth wind and fire song about september Yeah.
0: <laughs> dancing in september
1: <laughs> what do
0: you uh, i okay well i this is where i uh, like, admit my ignorance what's earth wind and fire i know they're a band
2: they're a, they're a band
1: oh,
0: they're a band dancing in september
2: Ah. There is a cover of Dancing in September in Elite Beat Agents, so clearly you have not played Elite Beat Agents.
0: No, we know we're Dancing in September because of Elite Beat Agents. Uh, As all good things... Yeah,
2: you know. Earth, Wind & Fire is a 70s, like, funk soul band.
0: Oh, Okay, maybe I did know that, but I didn't remember it.
2: I love them. Uh, Unsurprisingly, they are right (laughs) up my alley. Matthew Marco loves
0: 70s folk band and now over to Destiny with the Weather. Uh... How's everyone much doing? much everywhere, it's going to be hot. <laughs> yeah.
3: How's everyone doing? What's going on? Great. Kyle's in a shed.
1: Uh, what?
3: Oh, I what? said Kyle's in a shed.
1: I am a sh- I, I'm in a shed. Uh, just the old podcasting shed. <laughs> this is where I have recorded the last couple of times.
0: Oh well, take them down to the old parkour shed. And, uh, <laughs> Is that
1: supposed to do Grey Gardens or something?
0: That's no, that's just my homely American voice.
1: Oh my god!
0: Yeah, do it I again. Know. No, please
1: no. don't. No.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. I love I'm, it. I'm with Kyle on this. Uh, I'm, I think Kyle has got the right idea. How's everyone's uh, last month been? It's been a month since we done one of these. What's going on? How's everyone doing?
1: It's been exhausting, pretty mm-hmm. much because August is probably the busiest month for the inn, um, because there are a bunch of theme weeks back-to-back. Because in Provincetown, there are theme weeks because they can't be inclusive on their own, so they have to have very specific weeks for people. And also there's Carnival, which is not like the Carnival in Brazil or in Black Orpheus. It's more like <laughs> like boys... And men dressed in mostly speedos and shorts. And I've learned to really hate tank tops in my time here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Yeah, it was very ti- it was very tiring, but prurient. A little prurient for for me, but mostly tiring. <laughs> uh, my month's been alright.
3: I got really into art journaling. Mm-hmm. And I can't stop. I've got glue all over my fingernails and paint stains on my mattress. And
1: me too, but not from art. <laughs> hey. Yeah. And uh
3: yeah, you know, you know how it is. Yeah.
0: Got to get that art done. Be what art, art. art. ABA. always be arting. <laughs> <laughs> ABA. 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 Uh, ABA, yeah. ABA. How's how's Matt doing?
2: I'm fine. I've uh Instead of watching movies, I watched a lot of Steven Universe, but I won't talk about it here, because I already talked about it on your other podcast.
0: That's true. We did. That happened. But I guess I, I've been all right, so nothing exceptional to say in my update. Let's talk about what movies we've seen. Who's seen a movie? Or did we I all have. forget? Oh, good.
3: I've seen a movie. What were you going to say? What was the end of that statement?
0: No, I just said, "Oh, did we all forget?
3: No, no, no. I,
2: I, I, I think I've uh, seen a movie also that I want to talk about. We've yeah. all seen movies. This is a magical month. In fact, me and Destiny had so many movies that we actually talked over and chose the movies we were going to talk about on this podcast. Podcast Ooh. preparation. This. Yeah.
0: yeah. Look at this. Look at us, professionals. Being... I think I'm supposed to talk
3: about the Phantom Menace for this podcast.
2: <laughs>
0: yes.
3: Yes, because Badland Girls, I have to talk about the Wes Craven movie we watched. All right, Wes Craven. <laughs> so, um, yes, may he rest in peace. Exactly. I watched The Phantom Menace for the first time, ever. <laughs> like,
0: ever! Oh, you have no idea how excited I was this.
3: I, uh, you know, my history with Star Wars is uh, patchy, didn't grow up with it. I, I saw the original trilogy for the first time when I was 22, 23. I watched it with uh, an 11-year-old friend. <laughs> that sounds creepy. Uh, it was. I was babysitting. Uh, and then they were the remasters. Is that the correct special, special editions? editions. Yes, yeah, special editions with all the goofy stuff added in. And then we rewatched them, Matt and I, over the last couple of months. Uh, we watched the fan rips of the original trilogy. De- despecialized. That, they're, editions. they're not fan rips. A lot of work has gone into those. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're despecialized. They're beautiful, by mm-hmm. the way, and I love them. But Phantom Menace, we just watched a Blu-ray. And, um you know I, I I came into it open-minded as possible, as open minded as possible, because I know it is a much maligned film so in the franchise. My
2: favorite thing was like twenty minutes in you're like this is our this isn't as bad as everyone said it was, <laughs> and then about five minutes later, you said, "What's happening in this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> that is, like, the Phantom
0: Menace experience purified into two moments. What? It didn't... It didn't... Okay. It started... out kind of, like... No, okay. okay Reca- the, recount the, to me your ex- understanding in order of what happened in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> no one helped her. <laughs> no one helped
3: her. Um... Okay, so they give you this block of text
0: about... <laughs> oh, like Star Wars. So
3: crazy. Yeah, and it's, like, exciting because you're like, oh, it's just like the originals. And there's this crazy explanation of, like, a trade agreement with some group you've never heard of on a planet you've never heard of, <laughs> with the and, and another group you've never heard of, and it's like, what? And then the... Traders get all mad, uh, traders, T-R-A-D-E-R-S, because they find out that they're sending over Jedi's to Naboo? Is that where they were sending them? And, (laughs) I know, I'm awful. And like, they're all upset that they're Jedi's, and I didn't understand why, and Matt's like, well they're, uh, they're space cops. But it's like, huh? So, one of them no. is Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he's a baby, and he's, or he's not a baby, he's Ewan McGregor, and he's got the ugly haircut, that apparently is just the ugly default Jedi, uh, Padawan with, haircut. With the braid. With the braid, and the yep. nasty ponytail that's like, chopped off. <laughs> and, it looks like some weird, like, show pony. <laughs> and, uh, what's his name? Hwi-
2: Qui- Qui-Gon, no, Qui-Gon, no uh, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon
3: Jin. Qui-Gon Jin. Qui-Kuei. Uh, Qui-Gon Jin. Which Leaf. is almost... Isn't that a little racist? But anyway, that's... Um, <laughs> the oh, my God. God. Isn't that a little racist? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that a little racist? Um, okay, so that's... um. What's his name? Help me with his name. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. And he's, you know, training Obi-Wan Kenobi, so it's still in training. And you kind of... I'm pretty sure that character gets name-dropped in... No. One of the- no. no? No. Oh, I could have sworn there was a bit where Darth Vader was like, blah 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 trained no. me, but no, he just mentioned Obi-Wan trained him, so you kinda know that. And, but it didn't make sense why this like, overly complicated thing was happening in the very beginning
0: of this movie. Now to be clear, we are not past the first two minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay, I'm gonna try to speed it up because I know other people have movies I want to talk about.
0: But no, this is amazing.
3: That leads to you meeting this queen and it's Natalie Portman, but she's got a deep voice, and you don't know what's going on because you also see Natalie Portman in the background.
0: And then just- <laughs> No, wait, isn't it not? Isn't Natalie Portman only the one in the background? Yes. Well, no. it's, no. Niggas, it's Karen she Knightley. She looks yeah.
3: just like Natalie Portman, and so they I was- switch off. Yeah, they yeah. switch off. So I was like. Because I knew from cultural osmosis that Nellie Portman played the queen. So the whole movie, I'm like, (laughs) what? When is she going to admit she's the queen? But it's supposed to be like a twist reveal. But anyway, she meets Anakin. And Anakin's like, what, eight? And Anakin's a slave. Nine. Anakin's a nine-year-old slave. And he like is multilingual. And he grows up making droids. He made three (laughs) C-3PO. And it's like, why? Why is this here? It doesn't... uh, (laughs) It made me so mad, and then <laughs> I was okay with R2-D2 being there, because they didn't have to give him a weird origin, like, he's just there, and he's they, good at what he does. They did bless but, him
0: for being an amazing droid.
3: <laughs> yeah, but, like, they always do that. That was also something that happened in, uh, I'm pretty sure that happens in um, Empire Strikes Back. No, no, no! Like, Turn of the Jedi, where they're like, "Good job, R2D2, you're so good at what you do." Uh, I'm pretty sure Harrison Ford says that at some point. But anyway, <laughs> there's this really awful part where you go, Anakin goes into his bedroom, and he just has like the prototype skinless robot, and it's like, "Oh, why is this here?" Oh. And also, there's a thing about midi chlorians. What what the F somebody chlorine? <laughs> and I, that was also really upsetting. So in summary, and in conclusion, in, I'm not done, but like <laughs> the movie's really overwritten, and that is evident within the first like ten minutes. Uh and for some reason there's this really long pod racing <laughs> And because I'm not nine years old, I know that he's gonna win. I know Anakin's gonna win. But you know, it's not for me. So I'm trying to be nice about it. Like, okay, yes, oh, tension. But they didn't even bother to write in any tension because they underestimate the child's uh, watching intelligence. And that was upsetting. That was very upsetting. Um, uh, Okay, let's start with the... Po- uh, since <laughs> I got so negative. Sorry.
1: No, go on. I I want to be the defender.
0: Okay,
3: well, I want yeah, to do we'll, some we'll, positive
0: we'll, we'll get into... Uh- uh, our opinions of Phantom Menace in a bit, but I'm, I assume this is gonna take up a, a chunk of the opening here. Okay, so, I mean, I'm trying not to take
3: forever,
2: no, but. No, 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 that's fine, this is the movie we're talking <laughs> about before. <laughs>
3: okay, okay, so. I liked that it still felt like a Star Wars movie in the end. It really did, because there were all the weird alien races. There were the goofy things about Star Wars that I like, like um, getting to see the weird environments. And, um you know, you get to see Anakin kind of learn how to become a... Like, he becomes a Jedi at the very, very end and Obi-Wan takes on his training so you know where it's going to lead. But it has this, like, weirdly false happy ending even though you know everything's going to fall apart. And also, you know, like, through cultural osmosis, if you're me, that um, Anakin's going to get with Padme, so it's, like, super gross that she's way older than him. Like, she's pre... Excuse me, she's post-pubescent and he's pre-pubescent it's just weird. Um... So, even Matt, like, pointed it out. Matt's like, they should have cast Hayden Christensen or somebody older for Anakin in this one, and I agree. Um, also, they should have given Jar Jar Binks less lines. I feel like, in <laughs> moderation, <laughs> a little tiny serving of Jar Jar Binks, even though I have a lot of issues with that characterization, it would have been fine, you know? Take out a little bit of the goofy uh, linguistic quirks, uh, uh, dia- dialogue quirks, and... That would have been an okay character. I like the sequence where he's a general and he has all those chaplain-esque, uh, mistakes that turn out to be fortunate, uh, fortunate. And that was cool, but like, man, was he annoying and not funny at all. But I, I, uh, feel like that's, uh, just me. That's, that, that character's not for me. And, um, oh goodness, I think I ran out of positive things to say, but <laughs> overall, it was just overwritten and, uh, messy? Real, real messy? Like, I just, I don't understand why they had to add in all this extra, uh, I guess it's lore, isn't it? Like, this backstory to stuff that, in the original tri- trilogy, it is what it is. It's like, okay, there are Jedi's. Uh, okay, um, you know, this empire is really evil, and this is why, because they're using the dark side of the force. And I understand that in this movie, they have to explain, like, what's going on politically. But couldn't they just, like, narrow it down to, oh, Siths are back. That's it. <laughs> Siths, Siths are back. We don't have to do this weird, like, boring thing with the Senate. And, I mean, I guess it's kind of... No.
0: No. No, <laughs> no.
3: no you're right. Yeah, no, I, I think look, I was about to say, well, uh, maybe it's needed, needed, but no.
0: Look, what were you at guys last saying? they will reveal themselves to the Jedi, at last they will
3: have revenge. Uh No, yeah, that was the worst part. Like, one of the lines that, the few lines that that they mention about Darth Maul and they say something about him getting revenge and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. revenge of the Sith,
0: maybe? <laughs> and Oh, that's yeah, amazing because like that character's entire deal is he's silent in the fights and then he just has one line for no reason. Yeah. And like the special effects okay, this is what I'll say that is also possible. Special effects are great for
3: that era. Um I really, really, really liked the way that the sets looked. I liked the uh big fight where uh, Anakin accidentally blows up the base and now all the droids. is pod racing. Yeah, that, that was a nice scene. I enjoyed that. I don't care what anybody says. I actually enjoyed that, but man, what a mess! Okay, Kyle, go. Mess. Go, Kyle.
1: Okay, so everything you say is completely valid, but my attachment to The Phantom Menace is you know, like, half nostalgic because it is the first film that I ever saw in theaters.
4: Aww! And I get-
1: and i get a kick out of how messy it is i've rewatched it several times and it only holds up in as much as like understanding that it is a complete mess not not necessarily treating it ironically but just kind of just going with it accepting um, it is like, what it is it, yeah just it is what it is the politics don't make any sense and you kind of want everyone to stop talking just <laughs> like just so you can look at all the pretty things and the ugly, pretty things. Um, yes, there are some probably pretty racist and maybe mildly anti-Semitic characterizations in there, but <laughs> I like Darth Maul. Darth <laughs> Maul is cool. Darth, Darth
0: Maul is cool. I Darth will Maul be-
1: is so rad. Um, <laughs> and I, I and will
0: I will. You know what's cooler than one lightsaber? A double-bladed lightsaber. A
1: double-bladed lightsaber. I, I have well, I'm not I know. have watched I have like the Star Wars movies on pretty much every format except for Laserdisc. Because I was a really big Star Wars geek. Like, yeah, but Laserdisc email, is the one you want.
0: Yeah. My email address
1: my email address, this is how much Star Wars speaks to me. Um although I, I like never talk about it for some reason. But this is how much Star Wars speaks to me. My email address I got in 2005. It is R O T S And everyone thinks, oh, why are you rotten? And I'm like, no, that's not what it stands for. It stands for Revenge of the Sith 2005 minus 1977 equals
3: 28. (laughs) Oh, you are precious. And like, I think that like, that's the thing. I'm happy that it makes you feel that way because I don't want to be one of those people that's, like, crapping on this thing because I don't have the attachment to it where I waited 30 years for a thing to come out and didn't like it and was underwhelmed. I think that these movies are for a very specific audience and it's for, it's the people
1: that didn't grow up with these movies. I really I, do think that. I will completely admit that, like, The Phantom Menace is mostly not a very good movie. I think it... you. If you can kind of stay on board with it as this kind of ridiculous piece of, like, pastiche serial, like, serialized filmmaking, then I, then I, I kind of enjoy it. But, like, I will totally admit that Return of the Jedi is shitty, and I, I hate so much Attack of the Clones, cause it is, it's just not a good movie. Like, there are, I, I will not watch them anymore, because they're just not good, they're not good filmmaking. It is, Mind-numbingly dumb sometimes. Like
0: I like Return of the Jedi.
1: I think you sentiment- meant
0: Revenge. I think you meant Revenge of the Sith. No, talking-
1: I meant Return of the Jedi because okay. there's a sentiment. Okay. There's a sentimentality in that that I find like really grating and insincere. Wait, you don't? So like, I can. I, don't- I'm able. So I, I even in my like, l- this is like one of the three things that I fanboy about. But um, I, I still try to like be able to uh, compartmentalize between like. Uh, um, Trying an objective, or as objective as possible, um, evaluation of these films, as well as a nostalgic appreciation for some of them. I have no est- nostalgic appreciation for Attack of the Clones, though, because that is bullshit.
0: Yeah, I I think the Phantom Menace is the best prequel, so. I like Revenge of the Sith. There's, I I I'm, always thought Revenge of the Sith was the best one until I rewatched them this year and was suddenly like, oh, Revenge of the Sith d- also is the, the terrible and doesn't work at all. And at um, least I, Phantom I, Menace has some like physical set. Let's let's hold I, off on I, talking I, about
2: I, these movies that Destiny hasn't seen yet, please, because okay. we'll get to them. Okay. okay. Yeah,
1: we'll can get I to it? Say, I'll, I'll Can I just say I one thing? Yeah. Sure. I rewatched Revenge of the Sith shortly after seeing Avengers: Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and the thing that i noticed most about revenge of the sith is that even though it's very overridden and it's it's leaden with cgi there's an emotional potency in revenge of the sith that if you are willing to to wait for it and sift through
2: it it's totally worth it I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna put it that way, I would much rather watch Revenge of the Sith than Age of Ultron again. <laughs> so, yes. sure, if that's I mean, the bar you're setting. I guess as would I. <laughs> but I, I really not like Age of
3: Ultron.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but... I thought it was fine. <laughs> I, there's things in Revenge of the Sith I think are hilarious and some of them I think are good even, <laughs> but I, that movie's disastrous, but like uneven and there's things I like in it. Uh.
3: I mean, yeah, I can't say, like, that's why I tried to be uh, fair, because there are movies that are worse that I love,
2: so I can't even front. My one thing, and we really should move on, because holy shit, I'm (laughs) amazed at how much that movie tries to make, like, background characters and world design look like the 70s, and they immediately abandon it in the sequels.
3: That makes me really sad.
2: That's my favorite, favorite thing about Phantom Menace, is how 70s
3: it
0: looks. Yeah, with yeah. Like, the designs of all the Naboo soldiers.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. there's just dudes with dizzy ass haircuts hanging out in the background of scenes.
0: Yeah, they, that does not stay. Yeah. It's very sad. Okay, well that was Star Wars Talk Episode 1. Tune in eventually for Episode 2.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess since we're doing it this way, we'll probably do one a month and we'll be done in November before the movie comes out.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. I'm really, really excited for this movie. The more Star Wars I get into, I never saw myself getting this into Star Wars. Like, I never, ever, ever saw it.
0: I don't really have that an emotional attachment. Did you say welcome to hell? No, I just did the Star Wars episode one theme.
3: Oh, uh, no, I just, I never saw myself getting into it. So I'm actually, like, pretty pleased with, with what I've seen so far. I just,
0: I know bad is coming and it makes me sad. I mean, the Star Wars may live on and be good for a good while. And I'm jealous of all the people who are really into Star Wars. So,
2: I watched Gregorakis' 2010 movie Kaboom. Wow. <laughs> so, I'm gonna um, sit back and let you guys. I go. I I I, I want to ask why you didn't like it, Cal. But let me say my piece first. I this is like essentially two movies. One of them is like. This repressed sexual, like let's just like all these beautiful people like fucking each other all the time in like these ridiculous ways, and that movie I really can't stand. The other version, oh, I like like that one. The other version is like Joseph Kahn making Donnie Darko, but not shit. And that part I love. I love the dumb history. I I I love like how it like just drifts in and out of the genre, and none of it seems really like important. It's like a Murakami novel like as a film and i thought that was cool uh so why do you like the sex stuff because i thought it was like the most boring bullshit if i want to see people beautiful people fucking i have the internet i don't need a film for that like and it doesn't even have like narrative context like that would be fine but no it's just there to like be there
1: um i think kaboom is kind of emblematic of what i don't like about what i don't like but wish i liked about um iraqis aesthetic and and usual narrative tropes because I also didn't care for the Doom generation, and I also didn't care for The Living End. I
2: haven't seen um, those, so I'm just w- going off for of two movies.
1: I um, have
3: to talk with Kyle's done.
1: I have to. <laughs> so, like, I guess Araki is... I guess you could qualify his films as um, exploitation movies, but queer movies. And they are... They're no holds barred and they just kinda go for it. And that looseness I don't think always works and it gets really grating for me. Um because of all the directions that it's trying to go in without any without much cohesion for me. Um I've rewatched The Living End since and I have a better appreciation for what it was doing, but I just as a personal thing I don't especially love it. I like when I, I like when Araki is doing something closer to Mysterious Skin or White Bird and Blizzard, when there's a little bit more of a, some sort of ground to stand on. Um, like there's there's a little bit more um, cohesion and uh, consistency in the aesthetic and what he's trying to do. And Kaboom, you said is split into two things, and that is primarily why I don't like it. I would I would take one or the other. Um, I prefer the pretty people having sex thing because sometimes I think that is fun um, and loose and and interesting. But even in in this, I don't especially care for it. But I I, I care more about that than I do about aliens. And I have no idea what went on in Kaboom because I very quickly lost interest when it was going in that direction and I just essentially tapped out. It's pretty, though. It, It looks very shiny. May I? Yes.
3: As the just unabashed Iraqi fan in this bunch. Okay, so, okay, I want to say Kaboom, let me look it up before I get this wrong. But I want to say it's the final in the t- uh, Teen Apocalypse trilogy that Iraqi was kind of putting together, but I may be way off. Uh, one second.
1: I think you're right. Okay. Because me- totally fucked up. No, no, wait, totally fucked up. Doom Generation or Nowhere? I don't
3: know. I'm looking it up right now. This is my looking it up music that you can edit out. Oh, well, first my browser's gonna freeze. Let's look it up on my cellular phone. (sighs) Mm, Can't find that either.
1: How about those Macs? I don't know what those are. <laughs> it's a baseball game. I mean, baseball. Oh, I, I,
3: I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Anyway, oh. so, uh, what I will say is that the sexual content of those films is intentional because it's kind of an FU to like constantly saying straight sex everywhere. Because mm-hmm. uh, Iraqi came out of, uh, you know, the early 90s where that was just not happening. And, also, you know, like it was sort of a an answer to AIDS. It was like, okay, this is this thing that's supposed to be dangerous and bad, mm-hmm. but actually it's it it can be fun and it doesn't have to be tragic. And also, you know, grew up on MTV. So everything is like a music video. There's celebrity cameos, there's bright colors, there's weird things happening in the narrative that don't necessarily have explanation. Like for instance, the aliens in nowhere uh or the weird uh Baywatch actor who plays himself and yet is a rapist in the movie. Um, uh, that's my mild spoiler for nowhere. But um, Kaboom kind of is a 2005 internet <laughs> version of everything that sort of happens in the other Iraqi films, where it's just sort of this freewheeling, sexy, queer genre mashup. And I think it's, actually really, really smart to call them exploitation films
2: uh i but... do, I do think it is worth pointing out that that this is a Kaboom is a movie clearly made by someone who has no idea how to actually use the internet because every time someone opens <laughs> a computer, something stupid happens oh I <laughs> and know. it's kind of fun, but like calling it an internet infused like movie I think is really disingenuous
3: well i mean like it's a it's the first Iraqi rocky film like as far as uh the trill, like his, the stuff that he used to do, is concerned that it and, and brings in the internet because, like, totally fucked up is all about film and videotape, and like, there's elements of television in nowhere, and then kaboom, you know, there's websites, weird websites, and weird ways of finding people that are missing and such. So, I mean, it's I think that it's. Um, I don't know. I think that's like an important aesthetic because it, it speaks to like these, uh, sort of problems in what, you know, the traditional straight romance is. And also I just, I think he really just enjoys reveling in the the sort of, um, uh, I mean, I don't think it's unusual, but I think he wants to kind of make people feel weird that everyone in his movies are bisexual. (laughs) Um and um yeah so totally fucked up Doom Generation and Nowhere the Teen Apocalypse trilogy by the way and all of those movies share a lot with Kaboom so um yeah that's all I really have to say about that but yeah I think you got to give him a little more credit uh but if you don't it's it's not I don't think they're for everyone but I no think
1: I I did. get what he's doing and I very much. I initially saw Kaboom and some of his earlier films, like, prior to consciously wanting to explore queer cinema. And now that I have, now that I've gone back to some of his earlier work, yeah. I, I have, I'm more cognizant of what he's doing. And sometimes it's for me and sometimes it is not.
3: I mean, as far as Queer New Wave goes, like, he's probably my favorite. And then Todd Haynes.
1: Yeah. Woo, Carol. I'm so excited for that. Yeah,
3: I uh, can't wait for Carol. I'm seeing that. Woo. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's great. It's great.
2: He's great. But anyway, that's
0: all I got to say about that. Cool. Does Matt have any more? Or are we moving on?
2: No, uh, you neither you nor Kyle has talked about a movie yet.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, um, Kyle, you can go, and then I'll do a short one, and then we'll talk about a <clears throat> movie.
1: Um. Can I talk about a TV show that I'm treating like a movie? Sure. sure. I watched American Horror Story, Kevin.
0: What does treating it like a movie mean? That's the, that's the bit I'm confused on. What does that mean, as a sentence? I'm
1: just going to talk... Well, I mean, it's its own self-contained 13-episode miniseries, essentially.
0: Okay. It's, I guess when I watch TV, I don't treat it differently. Like, I, it's a thing that I watch and think about.
1: Well, I'm just... It was just an excuse to talk about a TV show, Jackson.
0: Oh, it wasn't like a... Spe- I didn't know if that was a specific thing or just a sentence you said. Yeah. All right, It
1: fine. was just. Yeah, it All was, right, go ahead. So, I watched American Horror Story, Kevin, and... Wow. Oh, God. Jesus. Oh, girl. Um, it is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is... It is a mess. Like, um... I have a very weird relationship with American Horror Story. Um, that my ex girlfriend actually got me into this series. Um, and I'm, I, I'm so fascinated with American Horror Story for all the wrong reasons because it is just so consistently awful and so bad. Except for Asylum, I thought Asylum was very interesting. But I watched a American Horror Story Coven, which is, uh, the, show created by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, And it is its third season. And it's about witches. And I had initially seen the pilot episode. Um back when it aired in I think twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Um and I remember the pilot episode, Trigger Warning, has a pretty graphic rape scene. And I was like tapping out, nope, this is not for me. Like, you're tone deaf Ryan Murphy. And I just and because I have this weird fascination with American horror story I, I decided i'd go back learning what I have now about identity politics and about uh, cinematic form, and i see what I could glean from it this time and I got exactly what I expected and I was like it is so exhausting how how stupid and unself aware it is, like think of the person. You know who is like really self-aggrandizing and you, you watch them on your Twitter feed or in real life, um because they're a train wreck and you want to <laughs> see what happens next. You want to see what stupid thing or, or, or racist or sexist thing that they do next. So you can t- think about it and talk about it with your friends when they're not there. That's American Horror Story. There's wow. a scene. Yeah. And, there are some things that it tries to do which like it it's this the it, there's a modicum of something interesting or intelligent, and then it just like totally undermines it by doing something really offensive. There is a scene there, there the scenes this, oh, sorry Coven tries to very consciously deconstruct um race relations in New Orleans between white witches and black witches. And it is not at all subtle about this. Like, you know who I want to tackle
0: that. I want Ryan Murphy.
1: (laughs) Yep, Ryan Murphy. (laughs) Great. Um, And and so, Kathy Bates plays a very uh, plays a racist slave owner who who isn't. She's not like resurrected, but like she has been cursed with immortality. So she's paired up with uh, Gabore Sidibe, um, and those two are, have this, like, funny, kind of, weirdly racist relationship, because they're trying to invert the slave, um, master trope, and it's not good, or, or interesting, or, or actually intelligent in the way that it's actually executed. And oh, then there's, no. oh yeah, no. It's great. And then there is this scene, <laughs> which is a mild spoiler. It's there's okay. a scene where one character, one white character, goes into this, hair salon in New Orleans that is populated by the black witches of the area and shoots them up which is one thing but it is juxtaposed against the march at Sel- Selma, Alabama. What? I am not joking. And it has this hymn Wait. music and the, the, spir- the spiritual music and it what? shot in a really really not subtle way.
3: It's oh, it, uh, man. Oh, I wanna yeah. watch this because uh I you know, I have an interest in witches and um a lot of great actresses were involved with this. Oh yeah. Um, like it's, Angela Bassett and Alfred mm-hmm. Woodard and just a lot of great actresses I really like. Um, These are names that get Jessica me. Interested. Lange, Jessica Lang Jessica Lang, but
1: like what? it 's a really good showcase for these great actresses to elevate some really bad writing um, because all the writing um really reduces these actresses um if they didn't if they didn't know how to handle the material it would have essentially if they, camp. Talented, yeah, <laughs> if they weren't as talented yeah if they weren't schooled in camp they weren't if they weren't um, as talented and, and nuanced as they were it would really reduce them to these Really reductive stereotypes. Ugh. Like Jessica Lange's character throughout the four seasons that I've watched, I've seen um, a few episodes of Freak Show, which is season four, is always faded. it is always older woman, faded glory, trying to reclaim glory. Or, so she's
3: kind of a she's not the same character literally, but she has the same motivation and yeah,
1: same season. motivation, same essential um, emotional. Develop, and develop, and developmental arc throughout That's the That's
3: the thing that fascinates me the most about the show is that they do something different every season. But like it's they really they the different. same. Yeah, and then like they have these, uh, different actors and, and some actors stay on and, and there's a different theme and it, I just always thought that was interesting, but I knew it was badly written because my, Ryan Murphy. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so, I, I was like, talking to my supervisor about it and, um, I tried to explain to him that the show was racist, like in an unironic way. And it, it is just, in its attempt to deconstruct race, it ended uh-huh. up being super racist. And he was just, like, not getting it. <laughs> and I, I tried to be nice and explain it, but eventually I just ended up nodding my head and leaving the conversation because I didn't want to get into it. Uh. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so, just, yeah, I watched American Horror Story on, Kevin, on, in on two almost
0: days. every front. This just sounds like the newsroom. <laughs> In terms it might be just, worse. Disaster that's like generically something you're interested in, but in trying to speak to anything profound ends up tripping over its feet in every single way and just embarrassing itself along uh, like with every episode. Uh,
1: One other thing I'd like oh, yeah. to mention is that I, w- that I watched Chef and I realized that all movies about cooking are about tourism and authorship.
3: I love movies about cooking. I don't even care. I will watch
0: anything about cooking.
1: Oh, Me too.
3: Yeah.
0: All movies about anything creative are about the people making them generally, I feel like. But,
1: yeah. No, but I think cooking very specifically hones in on ideas of authorship, like mm-hmm. Ratatouille and Chef, and there's Ooh. these very explicit arguments about
0: Those are the big two. I can't think of any other movies about cooking, though, so...
1: Eat Drink, Man, Woman, Babette's Feast. Mm-hmm.
0: Tortilla Splats? Um,
1: that show, um, Chef's Table. Chocolate okay
2: lot. Mm-hmm. Tam Popo. Mhm.
0: Well, there we go. I guess I will talk about a movie, and then we'll get onto our movie club because we've gone on forever already. Uh, I watched it's Inside Man. It's been fun, though. It's been fun. Good podcast, everybody. Uh, yeah, I watched was... Inside Man again because uh, I've opened up a the love Spike Lee film. The Spike Lee film. I opened up a love film account because uh, I have a Blu-ray player now and a place to watch them. So I can watch Blu-rays, but I'm not going to buy Blu-rays because I'm not made of money. So I'm just renting them, seeing what comes. And the first uh, films that came were American Gangster and Inside Man. And I watched Inside Man again last night. And hey, Inside Man's a really good movie. This is what I have to say to
2: you. It is a hilarious film.
0: It it's is great. hilarious. The scene <laughs> it's so with, great. when Clive Owen phones everyone up to give them a dumb riddle...
2: For no reason. My, my actual favorite scene is when uh, when uh, Denzel Washington goes home and he just lives in Dick Tracy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, just... I am, like, Spike Lee making a genre film knowing exactly what genre he's making and playing with it to the most ridiculous extremes is just so amazing. Uh, shit, what's her name? Who's the, the lead actress in that movie? Um... Um, Denzel with, Washington no. No, Jodie Foster it. for some yeah. reason I kept wanting to say Charlie's Theron I mean, that's a completely different person but yeah. I, I got them confused in my head just just the names I know that they're different people but um, <laughs> I'm offended I I know I'm bad with names what can they say uh, <laughs> but uh, no
1: I'm bad with faces I realized that I had on my coworker's ex recently only after I read his profile
0: <laughs> nice <laughs> whoops um, yeah, no, her character was just this ridiculous thing that walked into scenes with like a pa- like almost working walking out of another genre of movies and all the stuff with the like conspiracy was ridiculous. It was great. It was it was a good fun time and I enjoyed it a lot. Also, I wish more genre, like, films could be explicitly nonsense genre films, but also just be aware of social issues. Like, hey, when Spike Lee makes a ridiculous genre film, he also knows he's still making a movie and is able to be self-aware about stuff. And it's excellent. It's true. It's pretty yeah. great. And the video game sequence... I'd forgotten about the video game sequence.
2: <laughs> I don't know what you're
0: talking about. I don't remember. So. The, the sequence when the guy is playing on a PSP and it cuts to, like, this clearly Grand Theft Auto inspired... Uh, like, a super violent game where it's just, like, I think it's called Gangsters is Genocide, and <laughs> <laughs> just, like, he puts a grenade in some GTA man's mouth and the guy blows up and it's just the most, oh, Spike Lee hasn't ever played a video game <laughs>
4: Oh,
0: wow, I don't remember that at all. So, I know, so look forward to coming this year, Spike Lee's new joint, NBA 2K16. Uh, Kyle, I know you don't know because you don't follow video games, but Spike Lee is making a video game, kind of. It's very strange. Is that a joke? No. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> there's a long-running series of sports games called the NBA 2K series. But for some reason, yeah, the, like, I know that the like campaign mode of the new one is being made by Spike Lee. And no one knows exactly how or what I that mean, means. He goes yeah.
1: to Lakers
2: games but, all the time. Like the NBA 2K story modes have been getting more and more like involved okay. as like a career thing. So it makes sense to take the leap and get like an actual person to write them. That they got Spike Lee is like really ambitious, but like probably potentially disastrous. But we'll see someday. Yep.
0: Yeah, no so one day we will play that and talk about Spike Lee on another podcast is
1: is, are those games at all like hoop dreams no
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna make an award every year for video game most like hoop dreams
3: (laughs) I don't I don't know exactly like what that'll be like, but
0: man. <laughs> I like that we're keeping up the chain of referencing Hoop Dreams.
3: I've but, never seen Hoop Dreams. Has anyone on this podcast seen Hoop Dreams? Matt has no. To have.
2: no, I have not. Okay, it's like, one day Isn't we're it like super dreams. long? That's probably why I haven't. It's three hours yeah. or something. Uh, yeah,
0: and then, Isn't it depressing? Ask me. I, hey, I, I, bet, uh, I bet in the middle the dream is being, going well and by the end the dream is dead. This is my guess about the Hoop Dreams. Oh, I've watched a documentary before. So that was movies. Now movies. <laughs> um, uh, this month's movie club was chosen by Kyle. No, Destiny. No, no, it was not Destiny. Me? Okay, this month's movie club was chosen by Destiny. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm with it. I'm on it. And uh if you want to tell us what it is and why you picked it, and we'll get into it because. Yeah. Go, go. All
3: right. Uh, this movie, Ex Machina, um, I think written and directed by yes. Alex Garland, uh, author of The Beach. He wrote 28 Days Later, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Is that correct? And yep. the film Sunshine. Yes.
0: Um, is that true? Okay. Sorry,
3: I didn't look this up, so I'm just going right. off the top of my 28 head. 28 Days
0: Later, Sunshine and Dread are the three big ones. Um Okay, yeah.
3: yeah, and he's a really good writer, I've read his book, a couple of his books, um, and this is the story, All About How. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> I was like, as you said that first phrase, I was like, my brain expected the second one.
3: <laughs> that was for you, Jackson. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so anyway, this is the story Troubles All About How. Th- does get uh, uh, turned upside down. By winning some sort of contest uh, to go... Uh, I guess, well, he works at a tech company doing some vague search engine work, and he's a really good coder, and he gets picked for this contest to go stay at the company founder's, like, uh, hidden uh, foresty home off on these, like, mountains hidden by trees, like a seclusive little mansion, little, huge mansion, and turns out the tech guy wants him to or the boss guy wants tech guy to um, interview this AI that he built named Ava um, in order to test her sort of responses and pretty much just to test to see if she has artificial intelligence and sort of uh, based off of Turing test stuff. And um, how far should I go into this plot?
0: It's up, it's up to you. Uh, that, that's the summary of what the plot is. We're going to get into spoiler stuff, obviously. Yeah. So, the, yeah, Oscar Isaac is in this. I can't remember the name of the
3: main guy. But Donald he's... Gleason. Um, how
1: Gleason? Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, he's adorable. And then, um... oh my goodness, the girl that's in Man from Uncle
1: plays Vikander?
3: Yes, thank you. And she, you know, she's a robot lady, android.
0: And shenanigans ensue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. not what they see! <laughs> what did everyone think of the movie, then? Who wants to go first? Let's kick this off. I will off. go
1: first. I will go first, just Ooh. because I know that I'm not going to have that much to say about the film. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> why, why is that? I, had... I will explain, Jackson.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I'm, I'm handing off to you. Podcast. Thank you. No.
1: <laughs> so I saw Ex Machina um it was one of the first films that i saw when i got to p town um so i i had seen this before and i have i don't care what it has to say about consciousness honestly um i think it is an exquisitely designed game it's it's would have it would have made a really good play i think um perhaps even better than a film uh because it's mostly two people talking throughout it and it's it is very much contingent um i guess on audience expectation of how character motivations are going to uh, affect their actual actions um and i don't think the conversations in and of themselves really matter that much um so i think it's it's a very lovely game to play and and it's fun to watch and although I'll, i although i will say that i think it sells exposition very nicely it sells exposition very interestingly and in 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 a very engaging way um and i'm kind of interested in what it has to say about gender um in as much as ava the robot technically um is genderless but is coded to um perform as female um and so i think that's kind of interesting i i'd like to write about that at some point but yeah that's Mostly what I have to say. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. I I'll, I guess I'll go next. I really liked the movie. I thought uh, the, like, I had heard it framed as like this amazingly just, um, uh, what's the right word? Like really highbrow like, intellectual science fiction discussion about artificial intelligence. But uh, I was like way more delighted when I watched it and it was the most self-aware genre ridiculous film about uh, a robot lady and two guys just talking about robots and stuff. So the stuff I like first took away was just how much it loved playing with genre. And like there's the scene where after every, th- like lots of stuff happens, uh, The guy cuts his arm open because he suspects he might be a robot and the sense of potential that the film is able to find at that point where you're like, oh, this, this could literally go anywhere because it is like knows exactly how to tease all possibilities and like, like everyone could be a robot, no one could be a robot, this could all be fake, anyone could be real, Like, like there is a point in this movie where all of that could be true, and it really enjoys playing with an audience who knows and has seen this movie a thousand times before, uh, and is thus thus able to make that a really just cool experience of going through the motions. Um. Like, yeah.
2: Go, oh, go ahead. Are you done?
0: I mean, I was just going to say it was a cool, pulpy thing.
2: Okay. Uh, so, yeah. uh, to build on that, with this movie... I guess actually is to me Mm -hmm. is very much like Soderbergh's late directorial work where he was just making genre exercises to like have fun with those kind of films. Mm -hmm. Um, And that like, I enjoy it for being that and it's very beautiful and very fun, but I'm actually kind of bummed that it drifted away from the potential of the initial premise, which was basically like a three person stage play, like Kyle said, where you have these three people and they all have very specific points of view, and it explores that. I think it spends too much time with the main guy who is, like, the least interesting point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't give you enough time with Ava as, like, a like a person. It doesn't give you any real glimpse into an interior life, and I get that that's the point, but when it, like, passes through the veil towards the ending and, like, gives you just a moment, like, that back... It doesn't backfill in the way that you would hope it would, um, her opinions about her experiences beforehand. Uh, and it's partially hurt because Oscar Isaac's character is like two thirds way through the movie, given this backstory that is like, makes him this completely irredeemable mustache twirling Uber villain. Mm -hmm. And he was way more interesting as just, here is the kind of tech bro CEO that we know about through living in 2015. But because Oscar Isaac is Like, a way better actor than either of his co stars in this movie. And because, like, his point of view is maybe the most, like, gray, whenever he talks, like, the things he has to say are interesting and worth consideration, but the movie undercuts it all by just, like, making him this horrible, like, robot molester guy.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Like, I think. uh, I mean, uh, we'll let Destiny go next and we'll get into it. Oh, I. I agree with all three of
3: you, which is kind of funny, because like I really, really like this movie because, as Jackson said it it really 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 uh plays with your expectations like you really ha- i can 't stop saying that word there's a point <laughs> where <laughs> you 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 could see um the main boring guy being a robot, and it wouldn't be it would be surprising, but it wouldn't be mind blowing or anything um also you don't, everybody's deal, for lack of a better word, is really murky in this way that the movie does a really good job at portraying. Like, everything being a mystery is really well done. As a story that um, takes kind of joy and uh, glee in revealing its mysteries in this really subtle way, it actually is a, is a great film. But the payoff isn't that exciting because they just, I don't know, there's not enough, I don't know, like the, the stuff they play between, what's the name of the main guy? I keep forgetting his, what's, the, character? name. <laughs> what's the
0: character's Caleb. name? Caleb. Caleb. He's Caleb, okay. and then the other guy, who's Oscar Isaac? I can't just call him Oscar Isaac because he's Oscar Isaac. Nathan. 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 I remember Nathan. his name. Okay, okay so... The play between
3: Oh right, she says, A- no, yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, the stuff between Ava and Caleb is okay, but it, it doesn't have enough beneath it aside from Caleb doesn't know how much of it is her and how much of it is the programming. But then, since we can't, like, we're kind of built to automatically not trust Nathan just because of the fact that he's like this alcoholic tech bro who hides and keeps everything really secret and has all these weird, um, Like, he, he, he can't have his maid speak English because he doesn't want any of his secrets given away. And he can't trust you to, you know, not sneak around when the power goes out. So everybody gets locked in their rooms when it happens. Like, you're, you're built not, or you're, you're made not to trust him from the get-go. So, uh, you know, all that stuff about him, between him and Caleb is actually my favorite part of Mm -hmm. the film. And sadly, even though I think it's supposed to be more about the stuff between Caleb and Ava, that stuff is sort of given the short shrift. So when the ending happens, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel as rewarding as the movie wants it to be.
0: I think what the movie is missing is, just like uh, Matt said, it's missing a kind of like... Moral grayness to Nathan's character, and also a moral darkness to Caleb's character, because the ending plays like exactly what you would expect. Like you're meant to go into that movie thinking, well, Nathan's clearly the bad one, and this uh, Caleb guy is just cool dude. But the end, and then you expect that through the rest of the movie, you will realise that, oh wait, Nathan's like. Shitty but honest about it, and Caleb has like just as much repressive, awful masculinity h- held up inside him, and thus why at the end, like she is set free and they are both like condemned to stay down here forever. But they never actually go into that with either of the characters. Like Nathan's just a, like you say, massage twirling villain, and Caleb's to, just a guy. To
2: interrupt, I actually think the ending is the best, most inspired part of this movie. I agree, but I think oh, no, no, know, no, know, no, like, I don't. I yeah, don't think. Right. I got... I don't, let me finish. Okay, to, I don't think. Like, going to great lengths to, like, explain why Caleb is bad would help outside of maybe it would explain nice guyism to clueless men, but I'm glad the movie doesn't bother with that. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that these two men spent 90 minutes debating the freedom of this, like, woman is automatically caused for both of them to die. Yeah,
3: Yeah, no, that's what I was gonna say. Like, the ending isn't weighty enough in the sense of, like, you know, like, you never really by that um what am I trying to say like it just like there wasn't enough between them and then all of a sudden they kind of built it like well they're gonna run off together and for me that didn't work Uh but once she once you figure out and I mean it's a split second you figure out she's gonna leave him that that was really great um especially the scene where Kyoko the uh Robot who's supposed to look. Like, you don't. You I mean you kind of can tell she's a robot. I, but it took all I'm just, of like, half a second. I was like, oh, she's a robot. Yeah, but not I mean, not all like, Asians. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's this lovely, like, you know, not everybody watching the film. I'm sure saw that coming, but there was a question even to Caleb's humanity. So like. I love that like it's kind of up in the air, even if it is really obvious. Um and when Kyoko stabs Nathan and Nathan's like, unreal. Uh like I like that part a lot because I it love was that lion. The, the sister solidarity moment of the film. When he just like and, walks away and he's like, Oh, oh alright, unreal. Alright, okay. <laughs> but like <Long> day. Ending, <laughs> the part for me that doesn't work is just the believability of like Caleb and Ava's relationship because I feel like the movie doesn't give it enough. But like no the the ending as what it is, is her getting on that helicopter is the best. <laughs> Absolute best.
1: I actually wish it had stopped like thirty seconds before that it had cut to black right before she left the building or something. Because I thought that just personally would have been oh, more interesting.
0: that's a common opinion and it's one that I really disagree with. Like
1: it's really a- it's a what
0: opinion? Common, like I've seen that argument yeah. on on the internet a lot, and I really disagree. Like I think that by ending it in the facility, it frames the tragedy of Caleb being trapped in there as way more important than the like joyful freedom of, of Ava. Yeah, yeah. Like, the movie- no, well, I mean, I think
1: <laughs> you could have. I'm not necessarily in the building, but like before she looks out onto the people watching. I mean. It looks out on the people watching those people and whatnot.
3: Just, I'm glad it shows they're
1: happy. Yeah, I, I would like. I, I don't minute. disagree that it's important for Ava to leave that building, and mm-hmm. I, I just think it would have been more satisfying if the ending was slightly more ambiguous. Okay, that's fair enough. Because I think that just made that I, that I feel personally would have been. It, j- more compelling. Uh,
0: I, I guess, like, I like the fact that it ends with just her on that corner watching everyone. Like, it's, I feel like that's where it was uh, always going
1: so to end. So are we agreeing to use female pronouns when, we're re- when referring to Ava? Because I would argue that Ava is genderless.
3: Um, I'm hmm. going with female pronouns because of Nathan's intent to, like, screw with Caleb, but, like, that's
2: a good point.
1: That is the only- that is the only thing I really find interesting about this
2: film is i i don't, I'm, I'm, okay I'm not sure that Reed like follows through very much because the way that she like aspires to be like she could just be a robot lady who walks around or a robot person, but she chooses to get wigs and dresses like she adopts feminine traits on her own, so I think that it like I think it's fine to assume that she self-identifies that way. Like
0: I understand the okay. idea of like wanting to not, uh, refer to anyone who like presents with feminine traits as immediately female, especially on a movie that's like about gender performativity in this way. But mm-hmm. I think the other angle of referring to her as uh, gender neutral despite the fact that if this, like she, like every single sign there is that she identifies this way, uh, is kind of like goes down a far more uncomfortable road Road of like, they can get transphobic, uh, of just like calling them they feels like denying the gender that they choose in this movie. Uh, that's, that's, so that's why I would go with the one I go. Although I understand why you'd be like want to consider that. I don't think you're being bad or anything, but I'd like, that's why I, I think that you'd say she in this case.
3: Okay. And I also think it's very, very like deliberate and, uh, there's a psychological underpinning to Nathan where it's like, he's just keep making these women over and over. Like there weren't any male uh robots, right? No,
1: no, no. Yeah.
3: Like I, there was I, a, I, oh, go on.
1: No, go on, go on.
3: Like, I think he like personally, I mean, like Matt said, uh robot molester, he had some issues with women. And I think that he was working that out. And that was definitely intended, and i it's not the most interesting angle for that character, but it's in there
1: <laughs> the, uh, um, Matt mentioned kind of thinking of Oscar Isaac as this kind of tech bro, and I think it's interesting consider to consider that on a on a little bit more of a literal level, these guys are making things to look at women to look at slash things to look at, because they are denying them their agency. And also, we have a tendency in society to talk about inanimate objects like cars or electronic devices um, using female pronouns or female names, or at least guys do in the tech world that I've seen
2: tends to.
0: Mm -hmm. Wait, do they refer to phones that way or something?
2: Yeah, we yeah. have I, I know like we, we have Siri, Cortana and Alexa that exist. Oh,
0: yeah, that's a good point. I, I know that that stuff is gross, but I consider that gross in a different way. to like people referring to their cars It's like, "Oh, she's an old engine." Like, like that's the thing the, I thought you were referring
1: no, to. No, like people refer, people will name their devices. I, uh, predominantly I, men will name yeah, their I devices. Think, like the, Siri and the
0: works. Cortana and Alexa stuff is like I think this is much more Yeah, I agree with that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Oof. I Also think
3: like uh the the naming of the technology definitely comes out of the naming of
1: the boats and the cars yeah.
3: and, mm-hmm. like it's it's and the same trajectory
1: there there're u- s- specific utilities that don't have any autonomy or agency and they're mm-hmm. used for very s- specific um objectives
3: yeah the default uh g p s voice being female is uh something worth thinking about mm-hmm. um Oh, I had a question and now I lost it. But yeah, no, I think there's a lot of great uh gender examination happening in this film. But it, it just kinda gets buried in this like the the, the romance parts between mm-hmm. Caleb and Ava just don't work for me. They don't work because it it feels too much like well, I mean I guess Nathan kind of admits it, like some of it is programming, but like I guess I don't know. This is the part where I'm asking you all, like, do you think she was calculatingly using Caleb or was that something that she um, didn't plan on doing and just kind of figured, you know what, my, you know, freedom is more important than trying to make sure he gets out of there safe. Or like, what do you think her point of view is or like her motivations, like what's behind them? Uh, Aside from wanting to get out, like how much of that do you think is programming, and how much of it do you think is her, and how do you think she actually felt about Caleb? That's a lot of questions. I'm sorry. I I don't. I don't
0: don't see a difference between programming and her. Like she's a character that was made in this situation, but like her wants and needs, no matter where they came from, they're hers. Okay, that's fair. Like, yeah, but in terms of like whether she was pretending or not, I just assume that like she wants to get out she is doing these things to get out and playing on what this guy thinks and, like, his expectations of her, but she doesn't, like, she cares way more about getting out than him. He is another person on the outside who is using her. Yeah, Uh no, that's fair.
1: I would also argue that, um, sorry to dichotomize the two, but I would argue that part of programming, um, and part of her performance, uh, Oscar Isaac character, whose name I continue to forget, probably probably watched a lot of film noir. I think this is a very interesting sci-fi noir in a lot of ways, and I think he probably coded some femme fatale stuff into her.
3: And then, like, making her more dreamy than Kyoko? Like, Kyoko seems very direct and doesn't seem to ponder, if that makes sense.
1: I... I think they each occupy particular archetypes. Um, oh,
3: yeah. And I think that's what like I'm getting
1: Ki- at. Yeah. Kyoko is, is um much more of an a skeletal's servant archetype. Right. But is a little bit more it f- is slightly more fleshed out. As a, a character archetype, as the femme fatale.
0: Well, also, he, like Kyoko is a uh, like robot that he built for him as Robot Molester Man, whereas oh, Ada is a true. robot that he built for this a nice guy ass like guy uh, who's just going to come in here. I don't. Like, that's why he explicitly I, says she, she's, she no, was designed the experiment. for said, this experiment.
1: But I think Kyoko also underwent similar testing with another person, though.
3: I I, vaguely, that's the implication, definitely.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm.
3: But then like, you know, he kept her around because yeah. of his weird like fetishes.
2: I think I think it is at least worth consideration also that like as much as Ava was designed to appeal to Caleb, like Caleb might have been chosen to appeal to Ava. So Mm -hmm. it is quite possible that she both was genuinely interested in him, but also totally willing to, like, sacrifice him because of what he is and represents.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. That's what I I feel the final look is at the Mm -hmm. end. Like, she recognizes him as a human being with that look, and she, like, knows that it's, like, a sad and, like, technically a bad thing she's doing by leaving this person she can't save, but understands that, one, he's the only person that knows she's a robot, so he has to die. Yep. Uh, and two, like, her freedom is more important than this fucking guy is anything. So, yeah, definitely go. Oh no, and then I was I just gonna itching. say, like, uh, I'm like losing
3: my train of thought, but oh, like, sorry. no, 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 not your fault. Uh, just the fact that, like, she, what was it was I gonna say? It had to do with Nathan. She, no, 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 what, okay, say what you said, and then maybe I'll I, I, I said about the look at the end to Caleb. Okay, yes, like, I, uh, she's based on, uh, cause didn't, uh, when they present, or when Nathan presents Ava to Caleb at some point, Caleb asks Nathan, did you, like, look at my porn research, or the, the search history for my porn? Preferences? He says, he
0: says pornography profile is the phrase. Yeah, that's, it. <laughs> it's worded in the most tech bro way.
3: Yeah, and so, like,
0: so to me, it's like, she was definitely... Who has a profile? I don't think well, he I mean, means actual profile. I think it just means the collected search, search terms.
3: Yeah, search terms. And, like,
0: but they, he says they
3: save that stuff. Profile. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we all have one. Probably. Somewhere Someone in an office at Google, there's a file. But yeah, like, <laughs> I think, um... <laughs> uh
1: yeah, probably but, just says Xavier Dolan. <laughs>
3: There's just... I don't know. I I don't know what my point was. I just... I I feel like that there was an implication that, yes, Kyoko went under the same training, but, yeah, I think when he knew Caleb was coming, Caleb was specially selected. It wasn't a contest.
2: Well, yeah, they explicitly say that.
0: I know, that's why I said that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I tend to interpret that, like, the Ava... And the character, or maybe if there were other ones before, this would have happened as well, but, like, are, they, are these women are designed for the men, and that is why the, you know, ha- ending has to be these men being left behind. mm mm-hmm. Because that's how, like, they're created. I don't know, I, I feel like the movie's gender stuff isn't actually, like, that nuanced or great.
2: So my ultimate takeaway is, like, I really liked this movie. I thought it was a fun time. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the kind of like, mid-brow pulp sci-fi that I wish there was more of. But, like, interestingly enough, when they make sci-fi, like, independent sci-fi movies, they're almost always in this genre. Like, you don't get any higher than this. And maybe I should just go read some sci-fi books and stop expecting movies to do it. But what's interesting to me is all the gender stuff was done way better in Under the Skin mm-hmm. and is kind of the same thing. Yeah.
0: Cause, cause yes. The difference between Under the Skin is that it like, actually allows you to sit in uh, Scarlett Johansson's perspective in that movie, whereas this, Ava, mm. right. is, is very closed away from you. And so like, it's, it feels sometimes a little bit disingenuous with the movie to like present a shot of all these just naked women, for you to look at all these naked women, when the movie itself is also keeping it's women characters so distant from you like and it's under the skin sorry
3: sorry no no go
1: on
0: okay. Kyle hello what
1: i want to say is under the skin works much better as as um a narrative about um transness yes that yeah
3: way? like as a trans narrative i think it works really well it's like really strong in that regard Um, but yeah, I was gonna say that that's why I always like just something about Ava just doesn't feel genuine. So it's just, I root for her just because of like what she's going through. Yeah. But there's always that arms like that the movie has her (laughs) at and it's hard to trust her. It's really hard.
0: The movie is like ostensibly a criticism of these two people looking at a woman and like judging her her humanity. But also the movie is set up for you to watch and then judge this woman's humanity. Um, mm-hmm. and i feel it would be served way better from moments or like you said when you were describing the like failings of the movie at the start matt like it doesn't have the backfield to then when you watch it again actually get a real sense of ava's perspective and own agency and leaves that as a mystery and in doing so uh it undercuts a lot of the things it could have to say. actually reminds me of Gone Girl in ways and my criticisms of that in that like that, uh, uh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, I know, I know. Like there are interesting ideas there, but I find them completely disingenuous and like it people can wrong, uh, wrong, I know. Wrong, we'll wrong. have when Matt and Destiny watch Gone Girl, we will have the Gone Girl talk.
2: Well, we're just never going to watch it because I don't want to I'm already bored of talking about Gone Girl and I've not seen the movie yet.
3: <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll do a podcast without Matt where the three of us talk about Gone Girl because I want to
0: watch it.
2: I think it's a fun movie regardless. of How existence. about I watch it, but you leave me out of that talk? Sure, okay. sure. sure. OK, okay
0: but no, I don't want to talk about it because I know Destiny wants to see it. And I don't spoil it?
3: Yeah, I want to see it really badly. So- like, I've actually said I missed that conversational zeitgeist.
1: It's <laughs> no, my. Uh, Be glad that you missed it because it was exhausting and like not fun. Conversation with that guys
0: is my new album.
1: I I completely <laughs> agree with with Matt, which is why I was kind of like, I'd I felt like I had so little to say about this film
4: because
1: mm-hmm. it's it's a fun thing to watch, but also I don't think what it says matters that much. I think it's been done. Better by other people, yeah it won, and, mm-hmm. and the, I think the complexity that it presents in its dialogue is mostly nonsense actually,
4: I think, really, really well I, done, I think it but. does
1: really well I think I think it does a very good job selling that exposition, and I kind of want to um, talk more about how movies sell exposition to an audience, because I think Oscar Isaac and Domhnall Gleason do a very good job in trying to engage the audience with these very philosophical questions, yada yada, yada. But also, I don't care like it's i don't think it has any it much i don't think what it has to say um is as poignant or as um deep as saying very little like under the skin right it's saying very little explicitly
2: like. Like ultimately, if you're interested in like ideas about AI, there's a lot of actual philosophy that's relatively uh, well explained for like a layperson. You can yeah. go and read. It's way more interesting. Like I thought it was, when they first started talking about the idea of testing an AI with the Turing test early on, I paused the movie and described like the Chinese Room idea to Destiny, and I thought the movie was going to go in that direction. and That's why I like brought it up, but it never even touches on any of that sort of stuff, and it's really disappointing. Uh... I, I would hope that this idealized stage version that Kyle pitched would be more about the actual science stuff because there is really interesting stuff there.
3: Yeah, there's the science of that would be actually a really good movie on its own. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, like we all love Blade Runner,
2: huh? Blade Runner doesn't have anything to do with this.
3: I know. I'm just it's talking a about this. It, it, it's a oh, I, don't, stuff, I, don't, I, I think just, think It was more. It wasn't like a sci-fi question. No, no,
2: no. I'm. I'm being ridiculous because I feel like I'm the only person on Earth who insists Decker's not a replicant.
3: I think he's a replicant. No, everyone thinks that but me. Unicorn, 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 unicorn. All
2: right. Um, Why don't you
0: think, like, I mean... I I
2: do not want to talk about this. This podcast has gone on long enough.
0: It's actually actually (laughs) not gone
2: on that long. It's only been about an hour.
1: Can I also say that I just, just in general, for some reason, there's something in my brain that's... that. Uh, makes it hard for me to really care about high concept movies. And this does, this was fine, this was okay, but like, what do you mean by that? Um,
4: Give me an example. Have you ever
1: open your eyes? Uh, which is uh, a, which Vanilla is Vanilla Sky. Film, yeah, which is Vanilla, which is the original version of Vanilla's Guide, stuff like that, where it's talking about consciousness and reality and whatnot. I just, like, don't care, and I oh. have very trouble... I have a lot of trouble caring about those kinds of movies and those kinds of okay. so much, Because so much of the film ends up being built on exposition rather than actually um, articulating or executing those ideas. It's more talking about those ideas. And if I wanted to like, talk about those ideas, I would just read something or talk to someone. I would rather... Have the film actually engage with those ideas on a more explicit level than just talking about them explicitly.
3: See, uh, I um, like a little bit of both. Like, I think, I think, I, I love that movies try. Like, I, I can't get enough of it. I am pleased when a movie
1: tries. It's Even also why it I don't makes. like The Matrix.
0: Oh, see, I like The Matrix. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, I'm similar to Dustin. I like, I like. I do sometimes feel like not enough exposition, uh, too much exposition is a problem in movies. But oh, actually, yeah. I really like when a film or a TV show or something will take the time to have an idea and then have the characters just discuss it and go back and forth, like, as a proper idea. Cause that shows respect for an idea in a different way. Like, to, to just have an idea, give a couple of examples, and then, like, execute on them is one way of approaching making a film and it's definitely the most easy way to hook an audience but to actually present an idea and make the film itself a debate and discussion that eventually comes to a conclusion like that's it's essentially what all star trek episodes are and that's one of my favorite things so i'm also gonna enjoy that kind of genre as well oh yeah like yeah it's, it's my favorite kind of sci-fi and i don't mind if they fail in attempting to put it in film Because to bring this all the way back, one of the things Matt and I have talked about with Star Wars, especially the prequels, is the implication of the, like, sentience of the droids is, like, horrendous in what it implies about the Star Wars universe, and no one mentions it. and I would I would want them to talk about that and stuff like that. So that's what I enjoy about sci-fi.
3: Can we go into that once I watch the uh, rest of these movies?
0: Because I want to hear these opinions. I mean, we can go into that now, like, but not probably not on this podcast. We should probably close it out.
2: Yeah. Yep. We have hey. some questions because Kyle ran a impromptu AMA on Twitter.
0: Hey, <laughs> we Kyle, would you like to present the questions to us? Sure. They're both
1: from Callum Patch who Hi, I like
0: Callum.
1: because he is Fay apparently. <laughs> uh, he asks, his first question is, why is me and Earl and the dying... Wait, shouldn't we, like, close out the Ex Machina thing? We did. We did. That's okay. gone. <laughs> well, that was one of okay. our most complete talks. It was great. Okay, so Calum asks, why is me and Earl and the dying girl the fucking worst? I've has never anyone... heard of this what movie this? outside
2: of him complaining it, about it. Isn't
1: that a horror film? Yeah, I've seen no. people complaining about it, and all
3: I well, can think of is yes, my name is Earl.
2: Um, how bad the it is. It's it's about a girl that has cancer, right? Oh great! Okay. Wow.
3: I, no! I will I'll tell never you that.
2: I'll tell you why it's the worst. Why? It is
1: so frustr uh, frustrating. Can me. you tell
2: me what it's about first?
1: Okay, it is about this um, young white boy who likes movies and makes friends with his um, token black friend who also likes movies, and they end up befriending this girl who has cancer. Um, And in because there's no romance between them, but they create this kind of intimacy between each other uh, in their friendship, he decides that he wants to make a movie for her. Um, And he makes kind of these, like, I don't know what they're called. It's kind of like Be Kind Rewind, where they do like um, low-budget remakes of famous art films. Um,
0: oh, yeah. Be Rewind it- had a name for that, but I can't remember what the name was in that film. That's Me either. Name.
1: But anyways, that is what the film is about. It's awful because it is so stagnant in its um, perspective and, and point of view. It is... It's awful. I hate it so much. I'm trying to... I think it's... um, I'm trying to remember what I thought about when when I saw it, because I I kind of tried to erase it from my mind because I hated it so much. It's the closest I've ever come to walking out of a movie. Um, And it gives its female character pretty much nothing to do other than be sick and cry. It doesn't give her any actual perspective in this film, or even this illusory idea of having any kind of autonomy in what she's doing, and although it doesn't explicitly side with the male character, it also doesn't not side with him, which I feel is very frustrating because he's just like, so awful. He's an awful person. He's self-aggrandizing and wallowy, and I hate it so much. I have to find my letterbox review. But that is why being Earl and the Dying Girl is awful. It's just, like, so complacent in everything that it does.
0: Huh. Yeah, I've, n- I've never heard of it outside of, like, Callum and Jay shitting on it on Twitter and thinking... Um, it, yeah. it,
1: it got some really good reception at Sundance, and then once it finally started, like, trickling out into the real world, people started turning on it. And I saw it kind of after the backlash, and and it was so awful. And this critic that um, is generally cynical about these kinds of films, because it seems to be really emblematic of the quote-unquote archetypal Sundance film, Mm
4: -hmm.
1: he he was very much in support of it, and he even wrote a defense of it, and and it's also kind of racist, and it boxes these characters into these very one-dimensional archetypes, and it's just so frustrating to watch. I feel like I'm not very articulate today. Anyway, it's okay. That is why That's Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is terrible. Yeah, it's bad. He, he also asked... Oh, actually, it's, um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is directed by this guy who has directed several episodes of American Horror Story, which explains why Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is so subtle. Not really. <laughs> <laughs>
3: What's the director's name?
1: I don't remember.
0: Oh, uh, okay. It's Alfonso Gomez-Rejon.
2: So, the uh, second question is what film that everybody loves and praises now do you think is most likely to be forgotten in five years?
3: Boyhood. Gladiator.
2: Boyhood. would you say, Destiny?
3: I said Gladiator, because don't nobody talk about Gladiator, gladiator now. Gladiator's
2: from 2000. That movie is 15 years old. <laughs> no, you, nobody talked
3: about it. It was forgotten. It was lauded. Yeah, you mean as a
0: past oh, example like, uh, of this?
3: Like, literally now. Yeah, um, will, we'll
0: become the next Gladiator.
1: Okay.
3: I mean,
2: Boyhood is the obvious choice, but I'd say something like Gravity is totally also on that list. Gravity. I've already forgotten about Gravity. I think Gravity, we've already Boyhood.
1: forgotten about it. Yeah. I I it in case.
2: Gravity's case, Gravity is a good film, but it only plays in theaters. Like that's yeah. not a movie to rewatch ever. It's a movie you see once on the biggest screen and then go, "That was good." Yep.
3: I think people Avatar. Were yeah, uh,
0: yeah, that's already been forgotten.
3: Dallas Buyers Club.
0: Let's forget that now. Oh. I, I've already forgotten about
3: that. That movie with um, Jennifer Lawrence, the 70s
1: movie. American Hustle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, American Hustle for sure, and hopefully Silver Linings Playbook. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I liked, because it's easy yeah, to go. to me through. too. This one, that I, this one that I didn't like should be forgotten, but I'm trying to think of one
2: of these that I enjoyed that
0: I think will be forgotten. Uh, Gravity's is the best answer of those. Uh, like
2: a movie that everybody loved that'll be forgotten? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but uh, I feel like
0: almost everybody loves Boyhood. Like, there was a backlash line in it, but Boyhood is fairly universally well-loved. I'm trying to Amy. make a one. Of...
3: I, I never saw it. That, it looks yeah. too sad.
2: Uh, Spring Breakers, I think. What? Well, I no, 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 no,
0: yes. Mm. Like, there I don't, that I, it.
3: I, I, don't I, guess so. I feel like
2: it's already left yeah, I was everyone's was say, memory. I
3: feel like it's already gone. Really? I love that movie, but I, I, I
1: don't... Go on. I think... It will remain in the public consciousness um, to some degree because I think that and the social network are very representative of a specific point in time for collegiate age youth. Um, And I think it will end up being a time capsule, but I don't think it will be completely forgotten the way that Gladiator has been forgotten or the way that... Uh.
2: Looking at lists of the movies, like good movies that came out the last five years, the two that popped into my mind that I love that people have seemingly forgot are Young Adult, which apparently mm, you know, I mean, love, yeah, Young good Adult,
3: point. yeah, I love that movie, and amazing. Uh,
2: and um, Mother by uh, Bong joon hoon Oh, I love that one I too.
1: Seen it.
2: Yeah, but, but every mother... like Mother came out at the end of people caring about those movies, and that's a bummer because it's the best one of those type. Of like I, Korean crime drama things.
1: I wonder if that's really f- fair because I feel like Mother was maybe underseen. Hmm. Like, I think I would group it al- along with Secret Sunshine and poetry, and that they were like really, really niche and not that many people saw them in the first place. Whereas Old Boy was kind of um, a weird anomaly in
2: comparison. Remember Tree of Life? Yes. <laughs> I <laughs> love Tree of Life, but. Remember that, look, yeah. Look, how fast have people forgotten Blue is the Warmest Color? Good point. You know, people yeah. still
1: remember Blue is the Warmest Color, because, like, Kevin B. Lee did this video essay of the 25 best films of the half decade where he polled 900 critics, um, and Blue is the Warmest Color, I think, was on there. But, remember
2: her? Who yeah, remembers uh, her? Uh,
3: her? I remember uh, her. I her, but I won't forget her, so I hope that yeah. someday I will help people remember it, because
2: I think that movie's really great. Also, I, I I feel like planting my flag on the master, which I think is a movie nobody talks about and is great.
1: Uh, Where? Wait, what? Bird- You're talking Birdman.
0: everyone to
2: you like, are last... deep in the bubble of film, people. Kyle. Yeah. I think Birdman has
0: about six minutes left.
2: <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I assume Birdman's that. already gone. Yeah. So.
0: I I
3: think I don't know. Somebody just talked to me about Birdman earlier this week at work. They were like, I watched Birdman.
0: I hope suicide <laughs> Llewyn Davis <laughs> is one of the Coen Brothers' movies that sticks around in people's memories. It better. Because it's amazing, but we'll see. We won't actually know until five years are up, but we'll see. What movie do you think will have, like, a comeback? Noah. Like, a cult
3: following. People will be like, hey, this is way better than we thought. Like, a kind of mediocre film. Noah?
2: It's not going to be Noah. It will not It's not going to be Noah. I mean, I wish it was Noah. We don't live in a world where that's going to (laughs) happen. I
3: don't think it's going to be Noah. I think it's going to be, like, Attack the Block
0: or... No, Attack the
2: Block is already beloved everywhere. Like, really? I,
0: it's all like that cult following happened because it, it it died so hard that the cult following happened the second it like went in cinemas.
3: Well, good because I didn't realize. I thought it was still underappreciated. I guess maybe living Fifty in Fifty Shades Word of, of Grey.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: I really don't know, but it's no, fun I, to think. I oh. think what'll happen is the next Fifty Shades of Grey movie will come out. Will be absolutely atrocious, and people will look back at the like, subversive elements in that first one and think, "Oh." I never saw it. Like, can't. I, really- Love Fifty Shades Grey. I will go to bat for that. For um, Yeah, I don't think
2: it's a bad thing, but I'm saying they did the best job they possibly could. Um, I think they I, did a really great job. I think I think we're maybe about five years away from retrospectives about how good Paranormal Activity is.
0: Oh, I hope are we so. Not, are we not there already? But I feel no. like, no. I, I feel like no. the, the horror it's people I talk to. Horror kid.
2: people like to shit on that franchise so oh, hard, and it's okay. gotten really interesting.
0: yeah. It's it's really good. Hey, you know what I think people have already forgotten that it came out like six months ago? Hmm. Nightcrawler.
2: I didn't see I, Nightcrawler.
0: Yeah, you're right. That wasn't under the radar. I hope I hope I need to see it,
3: but I feel like that's one that's probably worth it. Look, I'm, still, it. Waiting, I'm still waiting I'm still waiting for Speed
2: Racer to get the following it deserves. So
0: no, well, you hasn't Speed Racer reached it's, the point yet? It's
2: getting there, it could be bigger.
0: Jupiter Ascending won't ever reach the point, and that's a shame. No. That is a shame. It'll never happen. But
1: no, we will probably get a cult following.
3: I, I feel like it already it does. does. I feel it like is. I would consider that a cult movie because yeah. I feel like nobody who isn't like a hardcore horror fan has heard of that movie. So I I pretty much think of that movie as a cult movie at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe at some point the chappy following will emerge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I bet I bet kids will really like kids who grew up watching Chappie who are watching it right now are gonna be adults who are like, Yeah, Chappie. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I'm in the kidding. same way part of me is like, Huh, hey, remember iRobot? <laughs> yeah, no, I really think that. Look, she's Hold shit on. hot. <laughs> oh aim and fire
2: I remember a lot of iRobot I don't even know why because I didn't like that movie and I still don't
0: it's it's not good but it's kind oh, of amazing oh well I
1: couldn't think of what movie you were even talking about and I was like what movie are they are James Cromwell
0: hologram of? dead person giving you wise advice I don't know iRobot's alright
2: that's Star Wars
0: <laughs> no James Cromwell's not a Star Wars
2: oh Oh, he's in star trek
0: in all of them <laughs> every single one is behind only jeffrey coombs but i think that's a podcast yay yay i know well done good cast everyone uh let's plug our shit before what we reveal next month New uh first where can we find everyone
2: I'll go first. You can find me on Twitter at LitRock and on abnormalmapping.com, where me and Jackson and Destiny have a podcast about video games. It's really good. Check out my Paper Mario art zine if you want to buy my drawings. Kick me a few dollars so I can buy more pens, because holy shit, pens are expensive.
3: It's
0: good. It's real good. Destiny.
3: com, and um, we recently got featured on Here in Nebraska, so that was exciting. Um, let's see... Oh, and on a normal mapping, of course. And um... Badland Girls can be found on iTunes and whatnot. And I'm at Fridge now on the Twitter.
0: Yeah, I am. And oh, just Kyle, you Garden and I'll go.
1: Oh, thank you for forgetting me, Jackson. No,
0: I was gonna. Let you go. I was gonna get you go last, and then segue into your movie choice. Actually, oh, uh,
1: huh? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, you can find me freelancing around. Um, you can find me on Twitter at tilekerner T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R and freelancing around on the internet, writing mostly about movies and sometimes about music and music videos at tilekerner.tumblr.com.
0: Cool. Uh, I am at Headfalls Off on Twitter. You can find all the other I'm on Animal Mapping with uh, Matt Destiny. You can find all the other stuff I do at HeadFullsOff.com It has a nice index page with links to everything I've made over the last few years. It's cool. Thank you. Now, Kyle, let us know what are we watching next month?
1: Next month, we will be watching Chen Kaige's Farewell, My Concubine, cool. which I saw maybe when I was seven or eight, but I have not seen since, so...
3: Isn't that a dirty movie for an eight-year-old to see?
1: My mother let me watch Very Strange Things when I was younger. I'm and she, impressed. And yet, she would not let me watch The Simpsons.
3: That's really funny, because I'm. isn't there a lot of sex in that movie? I don't know anything about it's, it, really, but I could have sworn there was a lot of sex in it.
1: There's sex. It's super queer. Um, I watched um, the Bertolucci's The Last Emperor when I was, I think, 14 or 15. That's really funny. My mother had very strange like standards as to what I was and was not allowed to watch. She didn't want me watching the James Bond movies. Fair but but when she was When she found out that I had a blog and I was writing about movies, she was like, ugh, who cares now? Horse is already out of the stable.
0: I have lost control over this child. (laughs) He watches movies with reckless abandon, hither and (laughs) thither, to and fro. (laughs) The screens I cannot control.
1: (laughs) That'll be the name of uh, my autobiography. (laughs) The screens I cannot control.
0: Nice, nice. But thank you very much everyone for listening. Well done. That was the podcast. Tune in next month for more Trashback Ratio. Ah, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Uh-huh.